0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Yeah. Mic check, mic check. One, two, one, two, one, two, two. for you. Yeah. Uh You know what I'm saying? Word up. It's that
2: biblical, biblical
1: theology, theology, study of the person of God, attributes. God's word is like a breeze in the tropics And Jesus got the keys to the cockpit He's the king, the priest, and the prophet So please watch as we proceed with the topic Uh, And that's biblical theology That phrase alone, they give some people allergies Uh, They say it's not practical enough uh Just give me Jesus, that will be enough that seems plausible and logical. Nobody wants to be all cold and theological. But being a theologian is not optional. Because when you talk about Christ, you're saying something doctrinal. Either it accurately portrays His majesty. Or it's a travesty. Or worse, blasphemy. You can do a global search. This mark is crucial to the health of a local church. The Christian life is a difficult odyssey. The faithful are a statistical anomaly. The enemy wants to trick us hypnotically. That's why we need that biblical theology. Lord God, deliver us from apostasy. The human heart is given to idolatry. The situation is critical. We gotta see the importance of biblical theology. What do I mean by biblical theology? The whole theme of the scripture and God the key is following the Bible storyline, and the ultimate goal is seeing God's glory shine. What he starts, he finishes with dedication a work of art from Genesis to Revelation, from God's creation to man's fall to redemption to consummation. His designs and structure each time will fluster. What mind can instruct the divine conductor? His worthiness sits enthroned in the heavens, sturdy and fixed. to see the importance of biblical theology yeah. the lord has not decided to keep us guessing you, lord. he gave us the word providing us correction yeah. in the spirit for guidance and direction Biblical theology is like protection from ourselves and our improper reflections, so we can follow the Bible, not just our affections. Otherwise, we will chop it into sections and not make the connections like the doctrine of election. And Satan is waiting to slice us in the mincemeat if our faith is a mile wide and an inch deep. Theology is like the root of a tree, which determines how rich the fruit's gonna be. And by God's grace, he'll breathe on us with his breath, lead us in his steps, show us his eagerness to bless. And we'll experience true peace with in our death, yeah, because we we'll we'll know, know the meaning of Jesus, Jesus and his death, yeah. the Christian life is a difficult odyssey, the faithful are a statistical anomaly, the enemy wants to trick us hypnotically, that's why we need that biblical theology, Lord
3: God deliver us from apostasy, the human heart is given to idolatry, the situation is critical, we gotta see, the importance of biblical theology. Welcome to another edition of The Alice Adams. I'm your host, Devin Paloo, and uh, glad to have you guys with us back for another wonderful day. And uh, I've been doing this show for quite a while now, uh, a little bit over a year. Uh, I've been doing it with my wife for uh, several months, but uh, as you guys know, she uh, was, was pregnant and uh, uh, she. Uh, had a baby, and we've got our little baby girl, Eliana Grace, and we love her to death. And uh, everything's going good. She's growing good, and and uh, gaining weight. So we're we're happy there. Got a little a few concerns uh, going on with the, with the spinal cord, but um, she's gonna have some more tests run, and we're gonna run to the doctor and kind of see what's what's going on with uh, with all of that. But glad you guys are with us And uh, we have a good show today And a rather exciting show uh, We are going to have a guest on uh, Mr. Joel Palos, a good friend of mine uh, Took some classes together at, at a Southern Evangelical Seminary And uh, actually the worship leader at our church And actually um, teaches Bible study At Sunday school, I should say So, uh, good guy, but we're going to be looking at uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, We're going to be looking exactly at what they teach and uh, some of the dangers uh, that go along uh, with their theology uh, because it really is a dangerous cult. And they kind of, you know, take the name and go under the guise of Christian, but in reality, uh, they really do teach damnable doctrines. They deny... All the essentials, uh, pretty much. So we're going to be we're going to be taking a look at that. We're going to define what exactly the essentials of the Christian faith are, and uh, we're going to look at some of the responses that you're likely to get when the Jehovah's Witnesses show up on your door. So we're gonna we're gonna take some time uh, doing that. I wanted to start out uh, by actually playing a audio clip. Let me me give our Facebook page um, address real quick as well for people um, who are interested. We have all of our podcasts, all of our information there, so it would be good to to, um, go to our Facebook page. You can hear our past shows. We've done several debates um, and whatnot, so it would be good for people that are interested in, in wanting to know more about the show and what we do. To go to this page. It's uh, Facebook.com slash Theology Matters with the paloos uh, Slash Theology Matters with the we've had, uh, we've had some debates uh, such as the uh, president of the uh, Atheist Society in Austin, Texas, and host of the Atheist Experience, Matt Dillahoney. We had him on, and uh, he debated a good friend of ours, uh, John Ferrero. Uh, We've done some Roman Catholic versus Protestant debate on uh, Sola Scriptura. That that debate definitely got a lot of attention, and a lot of people downloaded it. And recently we did a debate on whether or not the Bible teaches annihilationism, the view that uh, after the judgment, the person ceases to exist. And that was also a a good debate uh, between some of the guys from uh rethinkinghell.com chris Date was the guy that um that did that debate so it was a good time it was uh it was a definitely uh, um a challenge and uh uh people definitely enjoyed learning both sides and uh it was a lot of fun so what i going to do is i wanted to play a clip that I found a little while back from uh, a time when Bill Maher actually came on the O'Reilly show. And I wanted to be able to make some comments as the uh, clip progressed, but I'm not going to be able to do that. Uh, but the the clip's around five minutes. I um, wanted to play that, and then I wanted to give some a little bit of feedback on that. Um, we have our guest coming on. He'll come on about 6.30. Uh, so we've got a few minutes. I wanted to, to take a look at some of these popular claims. Uh, and and really, as I started looking at it, I was, I was wanting to do kind of a critique on the popular atheism that uh, comes out from so much of the media. Uh, but as I listened to it, uh, what I actually saw was a lot of problems with Bill O'Reilly, the way he was handling scripture and uh, just didn't do a very good job. But anyway, let's listen to this for a few minutes, and we'll come back, and I'll make some comments.
4: A number one cable news show for 10
1: years and counting, The O'Reilly Factor.
4: Thanks, Stan with us. I'm Bill O'Reilly in a personal story segment tonight, part two of my interview with Bill Maher, who is one of the most adamant voices against religion and conservative people in America. In fact, Mr. Maher is blunt. Conservatives and believers are morons. Even on some cable uh, competition to Fox, which is why many people probably didn't hear you say this, um, because nobody watches, but you say on a, on a couple of shows that I saw that a lot of Americans are too stupid, they just don't understand what's going on and therefore they make fallacious decisions. Do you feel comfortable saying, look, you American people, most of you are dunderheads and you just don't understand and I do. You do feel comfortable? Yes, I do. That? Okay.
5: I absolutely absolutely. <laughs> 60% of the, 60% of the American people, Bill, believe the Noah's Ark story is literally true. Okay. But I don't know any of those three I don't know how to, de- you know,
4: I think they found Noah's Ark on some mountain in Turkey.
5: Didn't they find it Go, up there? But but that's in your Bible. I mean, if you're a religious person and the Bible is written by God, why isn't why is stuff in the Bible untrue? Well, because I mean, it's allegorical, that that was Bill. Story, I'm sure you know it's your, it's, I'm sure you know it's, it's, it's allegorical
4: your, and these well, are parables and they're designed I, to pay, to oh, to really? teach you a greater truth that it apparently has eluded you.
5: But you well, know,
1: well, it's well, not okay. a literal well, interpretation of the, the Bible.
5: I thought it was the Word of God. I thought it was literal, and a lot of religious people do. Okay, what about the part in the Bible that says if you see your neighbor working on a Sunday, you should kill him? Is that a parable or is that literal?
4: I I think that's probably uh, what... I, I don't know that parable. Can you? Is that
5: Romans, Ecclesiastes? Where did that come it's from? It's not a parable. No, no. It's, a, it, it's in Deuteronomy. It's a law. It's a law. If you see your neighbor working on Sunday, you should kill you him. you got to kill yeah. him. It doesn't sound like a parable okay. to me. But if it's your perfect holy book written by God, why is there stuff in it that makes no sense Well, let me break or this is to immoral?
4: You. Let me break this to you. I respect the Bible, and I and I take it as an allegorical book, but I'm a Christian, so the New Testament is what? Uh, I
5: believe in, and the Old Testament, (laughs) written by prophets. I love the way the Christians... Right, but but, but they're both written by God, right? No, God didn't sit down and and write it. They were written
4: by prophets, and they were written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and God, real human beings who actually took it down
5: right we're talking about the old testament now you know I, I know all the christians want to get behind the happy half of the bible where jesus <laughs> walks on water Wait, maybe, maybe, maybe that's love the love half of the bible
4: that teaches you to love your neighbor as yourself that's right. maybe, maybe that's well, what we're you're trying can, to get behind here mar i don't know really the downside but you, but of that. You can't
5: but you can't disavow the old testament i'm that not disavowing anything i'm telling you what i
4: believe in and what i believe in is love your neighbor as yourself and don't call them stupid because they don't agree with you politically
5: <laughs> but uh but if you're saying that some things in the Bible are true and other things aren't, it's not like the Constitution bill. It was written by God or inspired by God. So how come so much of it is either wacky or immoral? Look, that's the way you see it. All right.
4: Other people see it in a different way. I don't know any Christian who's killing or Jews. your neighbor killing I don't know any Christian who's killing your neighbor, killing Jews, your neighbor, killing for neighbor on any. Sunday. Yes, I, don't I don't know anybody who does that except I, I Ted do see Bundy. That.
5: Okay, that's all and he's dead. But, Bill, the only reason you believe what you believe is for two, it can only come from two places. Either somebody told you, like your minister, your are priest, a preacher, or you read it in one of the holy books. All right. Well, right? I, I, read, you know I read the New know. Testament.
4: There doesn't seem to be a lot of downside to being like Jesus. He seemed to be a pretty good guy to me, Bill. And I think if Jesus were a in charge of the country yeah, or the I world, know. we'd all be in a lot better place.
5: Would we not? Right, I think if Jesus was in charge of the country, we probably would have health care for everybody all
4: right, and I that can't might see be Jesus true, quite siding. because he could multiply
5: the loaves and well fishes, coined.
4: and we wouldn't have to have you know a lot of the stuff that we have to have all right
5: now, multiply the loaves and fishes, yeah. really, yeah, and he could feed everybody who's who's the I'm the bad guy for saying people are dumb
4: listen bill you're you're free to believe what you want to believe if you want to believe that. a a little meteorite crashed into the earth and Bill Maher emerged from some swamp someplace, you go right ahead and believe it, man. You and Richard Dawkins and all your crew, you can't explain how the earth got here.
5: You can't explain how the earth got here. You you can't. Right. Nobody can explain. Nobody can explain it, but it doesn't mean that we should make up stories like children to explain All right. it. We at least admit, I don't know. You, you don't, don't know. Admit that. So don't
4: denigrate people you, of you faith, don't. because your faith that there isn't a God, that there isn't, is just as much of a leap as those who believe. It's just no, it's as not. much, but on the other no, side. Not. Absolutely.
3: All right, well, I guess we'll, we'll stop it there in about five minutes, but... As you see there's just a lot of nonsense uh going on really by both parties in that conversation. Uh it's interesting to note, you know, Bill Maher starts with uh mocking Noah's Ark. Of course this is one of the favorite things uh to do for the skeptics is to go after a lot of the miracle stories in the Bible. And uh sadly O'Reilly just crumbles at this point. Instead of um instead of being able to actually give a coherent response, he just uh, he just crumbles. It's it's amazing to see remarkably smart men, um, in many areas and successful men, uh, when it comes to, you know, issues like theology or defending the Christian faith, uh, just infantile in their ability to actually put forward any type of a defense. And you think about it, I mean. The proposition, either God exists or he does not exist, is either true or false. can't be both. Either God exists or God does not exist. So if God does exist, and this is what Mr. O'Reilly believes, is that God does exist, you would think you would put some thought into it. You think you would put some study into it. And I don't mean to just pick on Bill O'Reilly. This is really Christians in general. Uh, who who believe God exists, believe, uh, you know, that the Bible's true, call themselves Christians, but really give no thought at all to it. And, you know, you think about it, how does this work in our, in our daily lives? You know, if you want to be a doctor, well, you have to go to school. If you want to be a mechanic, you have to go to school. Uh, just the basic things. You know, if you want to, you know, do home repairs on your house, you have to take a little bit of time to study, but somehow when it comes to supposedly the most important thing on the planet what we believe about god eternity uh there is just this apathetic lazy infantile approach and uh and it's sad because you know bill o'reilly has a big crowd he's got a huge audience it's, you know number one uh, new show on on television and uh just continuously uh, makes really an embarrassment not only of himself but of Christianity uh, every time uh, somebody like a Richard Dawkins or Bill Maher comes on. So let's let's look at some of these claims. Anyway, uh, Bill Maher starts by mocking Noah's art. It's important, you know, when dealing with a skeptic, uh, they're starting with the presupposition, God does not exist, right? They start with the, with the presupposition, God does not exist. And so things like Noah's Ark, Jonah and the Whale, Resurrection—you um, know—we'll get into more of his comment about the uh, Jesus turning, or uh, yeah, turning water into wine and feeding, you know, the the, the crowd with with uh, two fishes and five loaves. Uh, th- this is preposterous to him. This is worth mocking. This is worth making fun of. But he's starting with the presupposition uh, that miracles are impossible. But see, if God exists, then miracles are at least possible. And people ask, well, how do you know that? Well, because what's the greatest miracle of, of all time? Some Christians, you know, normally will say the resurrection. And that's really not it. The greatest miracle of all of all is creation. If God can create the universe from nothing, then raising someone from the dead is child's play. A worldwide flood is child's play. Feeding, you know, people with with uh with two fish and five loves, child's play. So what what's going on is he has a presupposition against miracles. So miracles can't happen, therefore Noah's Ark uh is stupid, and anybody that believes it is stupid. But he's assumed God does not exist. That that question has not even been talked about as to whether or not God exists. So one would really need to start there, and we've gone over, we've done several shows on this in the past, uh, looking at certain cosmological arguments, uh, teleological, Uh, we did a whole thing on the ontological argument with Dr. Sadler, uh, as well as the moral argument as well. So there's several arguments, there's several lines of evidence one can use to demonstrate at least, at the very least, high probability that God does exist, and if God does exist, the miracles are at least possible. Now, O'Reilly, instead of kind of giving that response that I that I went to of just kind of starting at at the beginning with God, he just pugs to it and says, "Oh, it's it's a parable." And you know, these kind of responses are just going to give people like Bill Maher ammo. All it's gonna do it's going to give them fuel for their father, saying things like oh it's it's a parable well why because you 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 think it sounds silly really that's what it boils down to is O'Reilly himself doesn't believe uh in some of the miracles in the Bible but uh as we've played on here before there's a there's a commercial that I'll play from time to time uh with the one minute apologist where they're interviewing young guys for and basically, what Dr. Geisler gives the argument of is God cannot err. The Bible is the Word of God, therefore, the Bible cannot err. So, really, you have to attack one of those two premises uh, for the conclusion to fail. And um, if you believe that the Bible is the Word of God, then you should believe the whole thing, including the, you know, the, the miracles, uh, because if you're if you're a Christian, you can't get around the miracles because the whole centrality of our faith is, is what? It's the resurrection. We're told in 1 Corinthians 15 that if uh, Jesus is not raised from the dead, your faith's in vain. So, you know, what's more preposterous, believing that God uh, uh, did a worldwide flood or believing that God raised Jesus from the dead? If you're going to reject one, because it sounds preposterous, and it would seem that you would, you would, uh, the bigger one would be raising someone from the dead. So you, but you wouldn't, you can't reject that and call yourself a priest. And then Mar goes to a, to a favorite standby of the atheists of bringing up the Old Testament and getting into the Old Testament laws and talking about you know stoning the neighbor for working on the Sabbath. And sadly, uh, again, O'Reilly crumbles on this. He doesn't know how to respond. And it's frustrating because you hear this all the time from the skeptics. You hear this all the time from the atheists. Well, if God exists, uh, or if the Bible's true, should we stone homosexuals? Should we not eat shellfish? Uh, you know these type of things. What you have to re- what we have to realize is uh, in the Old Testament, Israel was under a theocracy, meaning God Himself was was the king. God Himself was the uh, the ruler of Israel. And so he gave certain laws known as uh, mosaic law, and uh, that can be divided up into civil or ceremonial laws. Um, And he would have certain things: don't eat, you know, shellfish; don't wear clothes with certain fabric. You know, a lot of different rules that that seems kind of, you know, outlandish to us. Um, But uh, what was going on is he's keeping them separate from. The pagan cultures. He's keeping keeping them different. He doesn't want them to go into some of the same uh, wicked practices that the other nations are are uh, performing. And so by this, uh, he he is is separating Israel from the other nations. So when Jesus comes, Jesus fulfills the civil and the ceremonial uh, laws. Now you have the Ten Commandments, and people will bring this up, but really, the Ten Commandments is a, it's a it's a moral reflection of God's nature and God's character, and they're they're all repeated again and affirmed in the New Testament. First Corinthians six lists most of them there, so you know with with. with you know, you shall not kill. Shall not, um, or yeah, you shall not murder. You should not steal. You should not commit adultery. These things, you know, they're an expression also of God's moral law, and they're repeated in the New Testament. So, uh, you know, when Mar goes after these type of, of the testament, uh, it's just a failure to not understand proper biblical theology. And then what's what. What else I find very interesting is Mark claims that uh, that the Bible is immoral and that the God of the Bible is moral, uh, immoral. You hear this claim a lot as well. Uh, but think about this: uh, Mark is an atheist. Where is he getting a standard from? Where's the standard of right and wrong? You don't know something is evil unless you know what's good, right? Like C.S. Lewis said, you wouldn't know a a crooked line unless you know a straight line. You don't know how something ought to be unless you know how the thing functions, right? You have a mechanic or something like that working on the carburetor, and the carburetor's not working. Well, how do you know the carburetor's not working? Well, because you know how a carburetor's supposed to function, right? It's the same thing here. You don't know what is evil unless you know what's good. And so for Mar to, to basically... Um, claim that the Bible is evil and that the God of the Old Testament is evil. He's using a standard outside of himself to judge good and evil. But if atheism is true, where does that standard come from? At best, the standard is himself. He decides good from evil. He's the one that that judges right from wrong. And of course, that's that's dangerous, needless to say. Because you could have for example, the Holocaust. Well, Hitler thought what he did was right, and we think well that was evil. Well, if there's no God, if there's no ontological grounding from objective moral values, then why was Hitler wrong, and why should you know why does your opinion matter more than Hitler's? And you see this, you know, I was watching the uh, William Lane Craig and Lawrence Krauss debate today, and and Krauss was trying to ground uh, morality in science, and he's saying well. Because it's wrong to hurt humans. Well, why is it wrong to hurt humans? Well, because then they can't flourish. Well, what's that? What's wrong with that? Right? Those, those types of answers they don't tell you what's wrong with it. So, you know, he can he can uh, he can claim that the God of the Bible is, is immoral and the, the Bible is immoral. But ultimately, he has to borrow from a Christian worldview or from a theistic worldview at the very least uh you have to have a you have to have God there in order to be the objective ground to, to even say something is, is evil in any meaningful sense. And of course O'Reilly responds by claiming, oh it's it's allegorical and this is just he just simply doesn't know how to answer a lot of these um uh, a lot of these responses that are that are coming to him. And it's uh it's too bad, it's a shame. Um and he goes on to say that the Bible is not written by God, but it's written by prophets. And you know, First Timothy three sixteen, and and um, I think it's it's either First Peter or Second Peter one twenty one. All Scripture is given by God; is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction uh, in righteousness. And First uh, Peter one twenty one is uh, saying that no prophecy ever came from the will of man, but from God. So it's yeah, God God can use secondary causes and secondary agents. God is certainly the efficient cause of scripture and uh you know, he can use uh, men to write down the book. Again, if he can create the universe, writing a a a coherent book and telling us how he did it, uh is not gonna be a problem. Uh, and then I thought O'Reilly did make a good point about um you know, bringing up uh, Bill Maher, calling people stupid that don't um, agree with them. You know, for for people that claim tolerance and you know cry tolerance, you don't get much from them in the way of tolerance at all. Uh, they believe like this: you're stupid, you're an idiot, you're a bigot, you're a homophobe. Uh, you know, it's just it's kind of the typical mantra of the of the
6: new atheist. I say that to myself, I believe in
3: God because of uh, – or the stories in the Bible necessarily because of what the Bible itself says and you sat down and read somewhere or because your minister told you. You know, there's – again, there's good reasons to believe that God exists, and there's good reasons to believe that the God of the Bible exists would encourage you guys to to get on YouTube and uh type in William Lane Craig. Look at some of the debates he's done uh with several of the um uh, uh atheists, uh PhDs. We're not talking people like Bill Maher. We're talking people with actual, you know, doctorates in the field of science, philosophy. And he makes very compelling case. When he debated Bart Ehrman, for example, you know, he's not arguing that, uh, well the the Bible is infallible, or the Bible's inerrant, he just treats the text like it is uh you know historical document. So that's kinda that's kind of the approach to go with that. But uh I'll I'll go ahead and stop there because we do have our guest on the line and uh just wanted to make some of those points. Look out for some of that stuff because they're basically the same popular claims you hear from the atheists uh, over and over again, and they're bad. I mean, they're just, they're, they're bad claims. They don't last, uh, really, the test of time. And when you kind of expose them a little bit, uh, you see they just, uh, they fail pretty bad. So, let's do this. We'll go ahead and take a one-minute break. When we come back, we will have our guests on the line, and we will start uh, looking at the Jehovah's Witnesses, what they and how we can respond to them. So we'll be
4: back in one minute. Welcome to the One Minute Apologist. Apologist. If you had one minute to be able to unpack for the audience, we interview the world's leading apologists to provide credible answers to curious questions. Welcome to the One Minute Apologist. I'm here with Dr. Norman Geisler. If you've been a Christian long enough, we've all experienced the Jehovah's Witness coming to our door. My question is, are Jehovah's Witnesses a cult?
2: Well, cult is defined as a group that claims to be Christian but denies one or more essential Christian doctrines. And there are about 14 essential Christian doctrines. We have a book called uh, Conviction uh, Without Compromise. It has a chapter in each of these fundamental doctrines like the deity of Christ, they deny that. The doctrine of hell, they deny that. They deny uh, the uh, bodily resurrection. Well, there are three right off the bat, that they uh, don't believe. So how can you be a Christian when you deny fundamental Christian doctrines? Psalm 11.3 says, if the foundation be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? So you're gonna call it a, a building if it doesn't have any foundations left to it, if it's crumbling because the foundations aren't there? Jehovah's Witnesses are not a Christian group. They're a Christian cult because they claim to be Christian, but deny Christian doctrines, which makes them essentially a Christian cult.
3: back, and we have our guest with us, uh, Joe Paulos. Joe, are you there?
0: Yes, I am. Can you hear me
6: okay? Hello? I can hear you. Can you hear me?
3: I can. I can hear you loud and clear. How you doing, my friend? Excellent.
6: I'm doing well. How are you?
3: Doing good. Doing good. Been Great. excited about doing this show, and uh, telling everybody that uh, we're going to look at some of the... Some of the teachings of what uh, the Jehovah's Witness teach and the Watchtower and and kind of get into some of those objections a little bit, a little bit of history. But um, let me tell you guys a little bit about Joel. He uh, is a graduate of Southern Evangelical Seminary in Charlotte, North Carolina. And you did your Master's in Apologetics, is that right?
6: I did, yes. Okay. I did the Master's uh, of Apologetics, yes.
3: Okay, and uh, currently working on his PhD in philosophy of religion at uh, that Southeastern.
0: Yes,
6: Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary.
3: Yeah, yeah, I've got a got a couple friends that go there, so he's in good company. So we are blessed to have him. Joel, is there anything we should know? Anything I, I left out? Maybe you want to you want to tell us about yourself.
6: Oh, nothing that's, (laughs) Um, uh, I guess, uh, too important to the conversation, but I I can let everyone know that um, I I studied SES and took the apologetics classes and took all of the philosophy and languages in preparation for uh, Ph.D. work. I wrote my master's thesis on the theological value of classical ballet. Uh, Ballet was my career for getting the call to seminary, so a lot of what I uh, studied and encountered came from actually my uh, career as a ballet dancer. I lived in New York City uh, for about five years and then danced also in Philadelphia, Uh, so I was uh, in the Northeast uh, for a while and also traveled. And it was during my time in the city and also on my traveling that I would meet various kinds of people from all different backgrounds, and I had been a Christian uh previous to my uh career in the arts um I accepted Christ as my personal savior at the uh young age of eight and a half years old at a uh camp in East Texas where I'm from, and haven't looked back so everything i've I've gotten into uh has been through uh the background, and right along with the Lord, walking with him, straight on into the uh, uh the career of an artist in the big, bad city, and all that brings with it. so um it, I was something of an anomaly, uh, but that was good because what it did is it uh being in that kind of environment forced me to grow up uh, in a lot of ways. And it I'm reminded of some of the parables that Jesus taught how you when a Christian goes through adversity that you know that can be a good thing because uh being under pressure will either make you wither or make you grow stronger, okay and so i i, I was um, uh fortunate to have good people around me, uh, good, strong brothers and sisters in Christ I could talk to when challenges came up. And a lot of these challenges came from encountering people with different beliefs, if you can imagine that. And how do you handle that? How do you address that? Uh, Backstage, in different theaters, you meet all different kinds of people, uh, and they find out you're a Christian. They ask you questions. And uh, up north, you know, they expect you to be able to hold your own, and if you can, um, you know – Stand your ground and know what you believe in, and why, and show that you're not just a phony. You know they'll respect you for it to a degree, and might even be interested in hearing more. Um, now, and if you don't know the answer, then the best thing to say is, you know, I, I I don't know. I I need to find that out, and I will get back with you, and then actually follow through, and show that you um, care enough about the person that you were listening. And yes, and you might even learn something yourself. Uh, so. Sure yeah, so um, among all different kinds of people, there are uh, you know uh, the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, which we'll be talking about today. In fact, I lived next door to their headquarters for a while. When I was a, a newbie to New York City, I actually lived in Brooklyn, in Brooklyn Heights. And I lived within a stone's throw from what's called Bethel, or Bethel, uh, which means house of God or house of the Lord. And that's the name of the... Um, uh, Watchtower Bible and Tract Society headquarters Now I, I hear Through, the, through uh, actually talking to someone At the door that was a Jehovah's Witness recently That they're uh, disbanding That as their headquarters And going to move to another location Outside of the city So they're they're changing their Infrastructure somewhat uh, But it is still a, a fantastic icebreaker When I meet someone Who is a Jehovah's Witness That hey I know where Bethel is In fact I've walked past it you know, several times, and that just opens, that eyes get big as, you know, silver dollars. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> That's good. No, it just immediately yeah, breaks a, the ice, just changes everything.
3: Yeah, I would imagine that definitely does. Definitely going get, to get their attention. You know, I wanted to talk about the Jehovah's Witnesses, um, and we've done shows on other religions, and we'll continue to, uh specifically with mormonism and jehovah's witnesses and i shouldn't say they're a religion but a a, a break off cult in fact why don't why don't we go there kind of explain to us uh what do we mean by the term cult and okay. uh why are the jehovah's witnesses a uh, why would they fall into that category
6: okay i i will answer that but before i do i want to i want to set the stage and right up front i want to say Uh, that salvation does not come from an organization and salvation does not come from works salvation is found in the person of Jesus Christ alone salvation is a free gift and we can turn to or at your leisure turn to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 and read that Uh, for it's by grace you are saved not of works lest any man should boast it's the gift of God so when we talk about you know Christianity first of all we're talking about something that isn't a, a, a religion in the sense of you're working your tail off, living in fear, wondering if you're going to be good enough. You can't be good enough. We're all We're fallen from from the garden, from Adam and Eve on, and we can't do anything to save ourselves. And it's the gift of God just calling on him and trusting in, in Christ alone in his death, burial, and resurrection. That's, that's it. Now, as far as the cult is concerned, and that word has fallen out of fashion – in recent years But uh, it comes from the Latin cultus Which just means culture And we use that word in English So it's a we use it to mark a group And as such in Christian theology And the terminology that we use A cult in itself is not something that exists on its own It's more of, like you said, a splinter or a break-off and we use the word to uh, mark a cult of something, a cult of Christianity, um, perhaps uh, you could have a cult of Hinduism, a, a a cult of Islam. you know, and these different world religions can have groups form within them or alongside them that will claim to be a part of the larger body. However, they will have um, a certain figure. Uh, a certain controlling figure, whether it's a person or a group uh, that demands authority above and beyond what the religion itself would say is the final authority. Uh, It would use terminology that would be uh, similar or the same words as the parent religion. However, they would attach new meanings to it. So you have to be very careful when you're talking with someone from a group They might call themselves Christian and in one sense they might be. It depends on how they're defining it. But as we uh, look at a cult from the position of Orthodox Christianity, that is the uh, proper and historic teachings of the church uh, through history, through 2,000 years of history with the scriptures, the final authority, always going back to the Bible, always going back to the source, to the word of God, if you're deviating from that, or if you're redefining a term, for instance, Jesus, what do you mean by that? Jesus who? Okay. Um, we need to be very clear in this day and age of who you mean by Jesus. Uh, there, there are more than one. Uh, well, at least in the sense of Christ, uh, Jesus himself said, Many will come claiming I am he, I am the Christ. So uh, we even have a warning from Scripture uh, be careful, test you know, the spirits, test all things, hold fast to which is good, so that's uh, an important charge for the Christian. Even in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, Paul is preaching, and as he's teaching uh, to uh, Jewish people at the time of the Messiah coming, they didn't swallow it hook line and sinker they said no let's check the scriptures and they went to the the bible which would have been the old testament at that time and checked everything and he commended them he said that's very good the Bereans actually tested things out they checked things out they just didn't take what I said at face value they said no we're going to search the scriptures and see if what Paul is talking about is really so and they did
3: Right. that's good that's very good and that's exactly what we need to do. We need to be Bereans. So Well let's do exactly. this, man. Let's let's jump into it. We've got about an hour and twenty minutes left. So let's do this. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time uh dealing with the origin or the history of it. We can I'll let you, you know, take five minutes or so. Whatever you need sure. to uh give us the outline, but let's um after that let's kinda of jump into some of the the, the real issues with uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and kind of how we can respond to them when they show up at our door.
6: Sure, right. That's that's normally uh, everyone's experience with them. I had the uh, fortune, the good, the, the 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 providence of God. Let's put it that way. Um, was at hand on a on a flight. I was dancing um, actually in Alaska and flying back to New York, and was on a plane from Seattle to New York next to a Jehovah's Witness, and that was phenomenal because she gave me some of her. Literature and and she wasn't going anywhere and I wasn't going anywhere for the next few hours so <laughs>
0: free books I, free books
6: right and I went through uh, her her pamphlets and had my Bible out and then went through it point by point with her and it was amazing to see things just kind of going through her mind and and seeing things melt away you know and I I'm not sure what's happened to her uh, I've, I've I've prayed for her but after that meeting. Um, hopefully, we'll see her in heaven. But that's that's a rare occasion. If you do happen to find um, a Jehovah's Witness, you have a friend, a neighbor, relative, and you can get them alone, that's really the best way to talk to them. Normally, we see them in pairs walking around neighborhoods, uh, knocking on your door at inopportune times. <laughs> and uh, the, every, I, I can't speak for everyone, but I would say that the first reaction is, oh, good grief. Uh, n- Seriously, right now, you know, maybe – so the, hopefully if you're a believer, you see this as the mission field, and we're all missionaries and ambassadors 24 hours a day. So we should rejoice when we see these people coming to our door because more than not, they're lost. Uh, Think about it too. I mean,
3: you didn't even have to leave your house to go evangelize these people.
6: Exactly. In fact, you know, if you wanted are. to call them up, and they'd be glad to come over. Um, If you really That's wanted it. to to That's practice it. witnessing, uh, you you want someone to have a Bible discussion with, there you go. Um, you know what I do just... too,
3: Joel, uh, kind of a good idea I like to pass along to people is I actually have a folder that I keep right by my door uh, that is just for the Jehovah's Witnesses.
5: So mm-hmm. I know when
3: they come, I can grab that, and I know exactly – I've got a whole paper on the two natures of Christ, the doctrine of the Trinity – Early church father history uh, on the Trinity, just a bunch of things that I know, because I'm going to kind of mm-hmm. be the one that guides the discussion uh, right, right. where to go, and that way, you know, you're prepared all the time.
6: Exactly. If you see them see them out uh, your peephole or walking up the street, and and uh, you you know you can recognize uh, you know who they are. You in pairs of twos, one older, one younger. Sometimes carrying a briefcase, they'll normally have a Bible with them, almost always, and uh, um, pamphlets, uh, either the Awake or the Watchtower, and we'll get to that in a minute. Yes, that's great that you have something by the door. It's great if you have a copy of their Bible, the New World Translation, and even better if you have a copy of their interlinear New Testament, the Kingdom Interlinear. Uh, We'll get to that uh, later on. But yes, I I used to keep uh, some tracks by by my door just in case they came up, but it's very, very rare that they'll ever take one. Uh, they they see that as apostate literature, and it's it's a, 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 a bad to be caught with that. So I wouldn't bank on handing them any leaflets if you if you have some. If they take them, that's that's um, that's amazing. Uh, I know friends that have been able to give their Bible away because they liked their translation. Uh, so. Uh, which is which is which is good, and we'll get to why that, we'll get to why that is good later on. But yes, just to get the historical um, background onto how do we how did we get these people walking around in twos, uh, distributing uh, paper magazines at our doors today in the 21st century? Well, it all goes back um, to the 1800s. A man named Charles Taze Russell. Is the spearhead of all of this He was born in Pennsylvania in 1852 And he grew up uh, working in his family's clothing business And he eventually went into business for himself Now in the meantime He was a part of a Bible study group That formed in Pennsylvania In 1870 And that's really the origin of the modern day Jehovah's Witnesses Now in 1897 he fell under the teaching Of a second Adventist uh, preacher named Nelson Barber and they uh, did Bible studies together until 1879 when they had a falling out over a doctrinal difference, and the two parted ways, and Charles Russell uh, began his own group, and he became more and more convinced of the return of Christ being at hand, and along with it, the end of the times of the Gentiles, or his cryptic way of saying, uh, the end of the world. So when Charles T. Russell was 27 years old, He actually closed his own business to print what he called the Zion's Watchtower and Herald of Christ's Presence, which is the the, uh, forerunner of the uh, magazines and literatures which they distribute to this very day. Now, he also wrote a commentary set, and he published several volumes of these Bible study guides. Now, you have to bear in mind that he didn't have any formal theological training and just a few years of Bible study – mostly under uh an adventist preacher who will explain a little bit of their theology uh the the adventist line of of theology comes from the millerites and uh they were uh, date setters i hate to call them that but that's what they were uh they became obsessed with Christ's return and began to name dates of when he would possibly come back, 1844 being one of them, and it didn't happen. And there is the the pattern for the Jehovah's Witnesses um, as early as the uh, 1844. So that's the background of all of the emphasis on prophecy and distribution of literature. Now, what's interesting about his Bible studies is that he claimed that no one could understand the Bible without them, and he called them studies in the scriptures. Now, I've I've asked Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, to what degree do you follow the teachings of Charles Russell today? And usually the older one will look surprised that anybody knows that name, but uh, they normally say, well, he got us studying the Bible, but we really don't follow his teachings now. Uh, So – That's how it got started, but it has changed and morphed, and the organization continues to change and morph uh, as it operates. Mm -hmm. Sure. Something else that's interesting, too, is that he didn't only use the Bible. Uh, He also thought that the Great Pyramid of Giza contained the uh, key to understanding when Christ would return. Uh, And he thought that the measurements of the the pyramid – uh, pointed to uh, the the dates that uh, Christ would come back and rule, uh, 1914 being one of them, and we can get into that if you would like, uh, briefly. You want to go there?
3: Sure, let's do it.
6: Okay, all right. So the uh, the basis behind the Jehovah's Witnesses is, is prophecy, and their um, magazines uh, will emphasize. In their articles, uh, Bible teaching, uh, especially concerned with prophetic events in the end times, uh, particularly Armageddon, okay? uh, the last final battle between good and evil as, as they see it, uh, between a Jehovah and the evil system of the world. And the idea is that the world will be restored as a paradise, so the hook… Uh, Right from the early days Is that you can live for a paradise uh, You live on earth Forever in a paradise um, Which was an appealing thought Especially um, With uh, The world wars That were uh, Prominent at the beginning of the 20th century and of course with every war That just gave fuel For the Jehovah's Witnesses to uh, Propagate this idea of Peace and harmony on a earthly paradise um, with Christ ruling now uh, 1914 was uh, the date that signified the times of the ends of the Gentiles and it of course came and went with no event so he uh, Charles Russell pushed the date to 1915 and when that didn't happen he changed it to 1918 but in between he actually dies Uh, Charles Russell died in 1916 So there had to be a lot of rearranging of doctrine. And that's another tradition that has continued. Um, So the idea of doomsday uh, wasn't given up, and the idea of Christ returning wasn't given up, but it was changed to be Christ is ruling. He has returned, but he has returned invisibly. So since 1914, Christ has been ruling invisibly. And they add to that that the generation from from 1914 uh, will never die, uh, which is another uh, problem for the uh, prophetic side of the Jehovah's Witnesses as we are just on the eve of the 100th year of that. And there aren't too many people from 1914 still around. Uh, so... If that generation was to never die, then they really are going to have to um, find a way to explain themselves or just be found out as a false prophet again. And that's one of the greatest enemies of the prophet. A false prophet is time. You know, if, if, uh, Deuteronomy 18.22. If a prophet speaks something and it doesn't come to pass, he has spoken presumptuously, he does not come from God, do not be afraid of him.
0: So right away,
6: mm-hmm, right away, That uh, the prophecies just from those early years of the 20th century should have been enough, but you have to understand the nature of uh, charismatic groups and people. Some people do leave, uh, others stay, and they regroup and reinvent themselves and find uh, ways to get new members. Now, uh, this happened through a very charismatic figure named uh, Judge Rutherford, that's who he went by, and he really – Broke away from what Russell was doing And made the Jehovah's Witnesses his own In fact, that's where we get the name uh, He renamed it So uh, he would be associated Not with the former uh, Russell Who had become such a figure That's why it's amazing that Jehovah's Witnesses really don't regard Much of him today Because he was such a charismatic Central figure to the group Um Rutherford did something to just break it off and make himself the prominent figure, and continue to make uh, prophecies. Um, one being that uh, um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were going to return. Yes.
3: I was going to say, take about take about two minutes, wrap up your thought real quick. Mm-hmm. to take two minutes, wrap up your thought on that, and then I wanted to. Then I'll go ahead and. Um, well, uh, we actually have a call on the line that I wanted to take.
6: Okay, great. Yeah, so with Rutherford, he actually uh, predicted that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would return and built a house called Beth-serim, and, which means House of the Princes. And they uh, never showed up. So they eventually he, – he moved into the house, <laughs> and then uh, when he died, they, they sold it off. So it's still – and now it's just never talked about. So there's another false prophecy. And the history – it just goes on and on and on up until 1975, which is the last time they've predicted the end of the world, and uh, it didn't happen. It just didn't happen. So that's basically it. So uh, it's an organization with a history of making false prophecies and um, false uh, dates setting for the return of Christ or right. the, uh, Armageddon. Mm-hmm.
3: One of the, one of the big reasons we should run, but. Um run from them but actually i have a friend on the line joel uh i've known this this young lady for oh man a couple of years now and uh she has had some questions about the the doctrine of the trinity and i thought it would be good for her to call in tonight uh that we're going to actually get into the doctrine of the trinity with the jehovah's witnesses yeah so if, if you don't mind maybe we could get her on and and uh and uh talk with her for a few I don't know how long she has uh but we can we can talk a little bit okay is it, uh, it law marie is that how you say
0: it hello
3: oh yes are you there
0: uh yeah uh yeah i just had a a, a quick question um, yeah I, I, I actually
3: i you know I, I thought you were someone else i apologize about that but uh <laughs> Oh, that's no where, problem. Uh, what, what's your name and where are you from?
0: Uh, my name is Jericho. Um, I'm from California.
3: Okay, great. And nice, to, nice to have you on.
0: Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I've been listening to your program, and I think, uh, you know, I heard you when you played the Bill Maher clip and whatnot. I think where Christians mostly are are, are kind of, you know, open themselves up to criticisms is, in my opinion, is their understanding of what God is, and their definition and uh, their definition of what God is, and their interpretation of the Bible. I think it's skewed in some ways that they only think in certain in a certain criteria, like it has to be this. Or, like in the Bible, you know, it, it describes God as being a human being, and I think if we stuck with you know Christians stuck with that mindset that God is man and man is God. It's just that there's different degrees and levels of being God. Like for instance, I'm not saying that every human being every human being is a prototype of God, but God Himself is also just a perfect human being. I think if we stuck with that mindset, then we would have a better uh, defense, if you will, against uh, people attacking God not being real. That there's no belief in God, because one of the main arguments that they say is you know that oh there's some guy that's you know he's sitting up on the cloud somewhere and he's judging humanity and he contradicts himself but they're not putting it in an actual perspective that's why it's open to scrutiny and criticism like it okay. is
3: so. well, okay let me let me get your name again one more time i'm sorry about that
0: uh it's jerico you can call me rico it's not a problem
3: Rico? okay yes. Joel, i'll uh, i'll kind of let you you talk a little bit with our with our guest here and you guys can have a little dialogue Joel, Joel, can you hear me okay?
6: Yeah. 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 Hello? Hello?
3: Yeah, so my phone cuts in and out. Sorry about that. But, uh, did, <laughs> yeah, no you, problem. did you
6: catch what
3: you heard what Rico was saying and maybe you could give us a response?
6: Some of it. I, I wasn't uh here for, for the for the clip he was talking about. I'm a little uh the background here um what's the
3: Oh, oh yeah, um. it was a uh, it was a clip I played at the beginning with Bill Maher and uh, Bill O'Reilly. And I was kind of really mainly getting on Bill O'Reilly for the way he was uh, responding to some of Bill Maher's uh, objections to the Christian faith. Uh, but I think what Rico give us kind of kind of put it succinctly. Rico, what's 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 your objection, or or what do you think Christians should do about as far as their their understanding
0: of God? I think they should actualize their understanding of God, and put it into actual logic and thinking terms. Uh, as we all know, the Bible is true but it's written in parables and allegories and, you know, our interpretation of those parables and allegories and what's literal and what's not literal should be understood and put into the proper context. And my, and my personal belief is that God is a human being. He's just a perfect human being. And that's why Jesus says, be he perfect. Even as your father in heaven, in heaven is also perfect. Showing the true potentials of human beings, you know, and I think this, this, Theory or this understanding that God is other than human beings or other than a man really makes us get lost in, you know, our being open up to criticisms. Because if you're saying that God is not a human being and all we've known is human beings is other human beings, and even our interpretation of God as being a man or a human being, you know, that's, that's where people start throwing darts or being able to question because you're making God other than something that they can connect with. You know how are we uh, to be
3: Joel, more like God? To... Go ahead. Yeah, Joel. How do, you, how do you respond to that, Joel? Why does God have to be other than a human being?
6: <clears throat> well, He's uh, separate from all creation. He's uh, eternal and has just uh, completely different attributes than uh, humans are. Uh, w- humans are are created beings that we ex- exist in time. Uh, we are susceptible to uh death and wearing wearing out um God is outside of time uh he is eternal he's always been he always will be so right away there's uh extreme differences um well, between the nature of man and the nature of god sure
0: um well it, it it it's it's all compared to your understanding of what the human being is everything that you described about God is the same thing that human beings have for instance the eternal property of God. The fact that God is eternal, well our minds are eternal, our thoughts are eternal. Therefore, you know, because human being when when we tend to say human being people think only physical. The, the human being or the or man or woman, however you want to describe it, is more than just the physical properties. We also have a mind, we have a soul, we have a spirit, and we have a physical body. So, you know, and there's parts of the human being that are eternal. The spirit is eternal. You can have an eternal spirit of joy, peace, love, friendship, so on and so forth. And you can also have your mind last forever. Your mind and your thoughts never die. Even when you go to sleep, you're dreaming, your thoughts are still constant, as it is with after death. And so, you know, when you say human being, the human being, meaning existing, and I think our understanding of that, even if you look in the dictionary, it says that God is the supreme being, meaning supreme existence. It's not very much, inconceivable for God to be a man than it is to be, for him to be other than a man. In other words, there's more Joe. evidence to show that he's a human than anything. Go ahead.
6: Well, um, let me ask you this. Can something eternal change, or does it always, or is it unchanging? Can something become eternal? If something is in an eternal state, can is there an act of becoming?
0: Okay, if, if something's in an eternal state, well, then, mm-hmm. if it's in the eternal state, then it's it's liable to go through different changes, but it's still yet yeah, it's the same thing, for instance, uh the sun goes through different stages of development or evolution, so so do human beings through learning unlearning, but you're going through different changes, but you as a human being are still a human being, so it's constant, but it's not. you see what i'm saying it's It's the same, and at the same time it change.
3: Yeah, see, God doesn't
6: change. See, yeah, that's the difference. You're you're uh you're it's comparing apples and oranges. God doesn't change. Uh, the sun God the sun changes because change. it's it's
0: burning out. No, God, I I am I am well, God. Okay, well let me let me address the God doesn't change uh, theory, if you will. The the say that God doesn't change means that if for instance, if God doesn't change, then how does he become Jesus and then he's the Spirit and then he's not? He's obviously changing. He changes, but he doesn't. His 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 laws, his his ways, they don't change. Therefore, you know, you are what you what you think you are, what you do. So therefore, he doesn't change. But does he change? His thoughts change all the time. To say that God doesn't change means that God has one thought, and that thought never changes to another thought. But, right. Yeah, you know, Rico, but, we're,
3: actu- we're actually going to address that tonight uh, as we continue okay. with the, with the with the doctrine of the Trinity. Keep listening because we're going to spend a whole section on that, and I'd actually invite you to call back uh, when we get sure. to that point. Kind of af- after you hear uh, how how Joel explains it, if you're not satisfied, call back, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll definitely have you guys chat a little more. But that'll give him time to kind of explain what the Trinity is.
0: Sure, no problem. I
3: appreciate in the Trinity. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say I, I appreciate you calling. Let them talk about the Trinity, and then call back if you're not satisfied, and and uh, and we'll keep the dialogue going.
0: Okay, no problem.
3: All right, man, appreciate it. All right. All right. So that was Rico. Kind of a good good conversation. As you can see, there there's there's a lot of confusion uh, about the Trinity, and it, it would it would seem um, you know God does change because here you have Jesus, uh, you know, be coming down as a man and then uh, going back up to heaven, and right seems like seems like uh, God uh, seems like God changes. So, Joel, how do you? Um, what do you want to do? Where where do you want to go next as far as the topic? We got about fifty five minutes left, so I guess you probably ought to hit some of the meat. Where do you want to go? Right.
6: Well, uh, yeah. let's see here. We can talk about the Trinity. Actually, that's um, a good basis to branch off of a lot of the doctrinal differences that the Jehovah's Witnesses would have. Um, in fact, the Trinity is really the core of where uh, a lot of groups uh, would, that would claim to be Christian uh, get off base. And in fact, the Trinity seems to be, and the Incarnation both, uh, throughout Christian history seem to be the very touching points where theology uh, has been uh, hammered out and dis- and debated and discussed the most. Um, in fact, you might even say that the Arian heresy of the 4th century is, is what the Jehovah's Witnesses are um, really a resurrection of, uh, which states that uh, Christ was only human and that he wasn't divine at all, that... Christ was a perfect man but devoid of divinity. And uh, really what the the doctrine of the Trinity is all about is a way that we put into uh, language to describe the being of God which is uh, beyond the brain power that we have to comprehend Not that it goes against reason But it goes beyond reason It's often called a mystery Because we can't Draw a picture of it We can't produce a model of it But the scriptures that we have Indicate that God is one being In three persons Now someone might say Well that's a contradiction You're just saying that's the three gods Well no um, In fact the Jehovah's Witnesses would say that we worship a three-headed God Okay uh, That's not the case uh, the, the The Trinity is um, Of course a word that's not found in the Bible In fact a, a Jehovah's Witness Knocked on my door and that was his opening line uh, He said uh, Do you know that the word Trinity is not in the Bible And I looked him right in the eye And I said do you know the word Bible is not in the Bible And he looked at me and said Well yeah you're right Okay but we have verses that you know, talk about Holy Scripture and Holy Writ and the Word of God And when you put all those verses together We understand that what we have, you know, is what we call the Bible And I went, and I said, you know, congratulations You just used the same methodology that Christians have used to uh, formulate the doctrine of the Trinity Right, the word itself doesn't appear in the Bible It's a theological term um, that was first used by Tertullian um, Sometime in the second century Uh but it's certainly a doctrine that was taught uh from the apostles time uh it, it the doctrine appears in the didache which is the teaching of the apostles so it's right at the at the early church and they they believed and taught the trinity uh there are are several verses that we can can look at and um see um how this doctrine works um there are certain Uh, models, I guess, or analogies that we can use to a point which can explain this three-in-oneness because it is rather uh, mind-wracking. But here's something that's good about that. It's it's challenging and it's puzzling and it drives us to study, which is a good thing. And it also indicates that um, this can't be of human origin. If a human mind... Could have hammered this, could have, could have constructed this, then the human mind could figure it out. And the fact that it exists without a contradiction, okay, and, and 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 we still can't really put a model of it together that's that's satisfying in all aspects. It really does point to something that's beyond us, that's more intelligent and more powerful than we are. So this idea of trinity, three in one, just comes from the Latin for three, tri-unity. So it's not triplexity, and I think that's what really is the sticking point when we try to unpack this uh, ourselves. Uh, So there's one essence, okay, there's one being, one uh, nature, that's God who is divine, and the persons are... uh, Within the the Godhead that we call uh, the Trinity, uh, same thing, uh, the nature of God has a oneness to it in its nature and a threeness to it in personhood, and the persons are distinct from each other, yet they are all Holy God, and that's where it really becomes hard to understand, especially at first glance. Uh, There are a few ways we can um, help explain this. Uh, My favorite is uh, mathematically. um, Most people, uh, at least the Jehovah's Witnesses, will explain that the Trinity is a mathematical impossibility because you can't have uh, um, 1 plus 1 plus 1 equal 1. That's just incorrect, and I would agree with that. However, they forget that addition is not the only order of operation, and so I look them in the eye and just say, "That's that's correct, but the Christian doctrine of the Trinity is more like one times one times one times one Ooh. equals one." And they just right. stand there, <laughs> think about it. it again, uh, you have three singulars okay so you have the 3 and yet you have unity in in the wholeness of the number 1 okay um another way of d- demonstrating this in a model okay and it's simply an analogy but it helps to understand this concept and that's musically um some listeners might be familiar with a triad okay or a chord um three notes um in the um, key of C, you would have um, uh, C-E-G, okay, and you play all the three notes together at one, and you hear one chord, yet there's three distinct notes in the one chord, but your ear isn't able to differentiate one note at a time. You hear the three together at one, and your your mind registers all three, but yet they wow. are all one chord, okay?
3: I like that. Yeah, that's a good analogy. Yeah. I hadn't heard of that before. That's good.
6: Right. I have to give credit to uh, Jeremy Begbie in, in Cambridge University for that one. Um okay. He's a trained musician and theologian. Yes.
3: <laughs> well, um, we. I think Rico is still on the line. Did you want to chat at him, or did you want to keep going, or or what did you want um, to do?
6: Well, let's see. Do we want to stick to uh, how uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses, or we can we can. Talk more about the nature of, I guess, Christ's relationship to the Trinity.
3: Let's, uh, yeah, I mean, let's. Um, these might be some of the same objections that we get. With, They're probably
6: um, all the, right. That's, you know, a friend of mine who was a missionary uh, was primarily concerned with finding Jews and witnessing to them. Yet he he only ended up running into Jehovah's Witnesses, and he found that in talking with them, he had to sharpen his skills in talking about the Trinity. And it was after a year or so of that that he started meeting uh Jewish people because that's the same that's the same issue. Almost with every uh group that a Christian would want to share the gospel with, the Trinity is gonna come up. It's it's
3: yeah we, belief it's in the, the Trinity
6: now Right, the same issues. Now same let me defense, say
3: this. Right.
6: Belief in the Trinity is, isn't isn't what saves you, okay? But the fact that the Trinity exists is what undergirds all of Christian scripture and doctrine. What, right, make
3: exactly.
6: right. The incarnation and the and the resurrection all meaningful and possible. That
3: has to be right. That has to be true for Christianity to be true. Alright Rico, are you there my friend? Hello, caller, are you there? Hello? Hello. Yes, can you okay. hear me? Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Is this, is this, yeah, Rico, dude, yeah. So what, what we're going to do is this, because uh, pr- primarily the show tonight, is a uh, we're going to focus on Jehovah's Witnesses, um, okay. but because Trinity kind of dealing with that, what I'm going to do in now, I'm going to let you and Joel, I'll let you guys kind of talk for, for about five minutes, until about, so about 7.20, and then we've got to keep kind of going off the theme of the show. Uh, no problem. And actually, we have another, another caller, too. So did, did you hear what he was saying about the Trinity
0: and, and uh Yeah, now now here yeah yeah, as far as the Trinity, now from my understanding, because I follow truth, I'm not a Jehovah's Witness myself, I I'm a follower of Christ. Now my understanding of it is you have God the Father, which they which is said that He's a spirit, which is God the Father is a spirit. Yeah. Then you have then you have Jesus who's a physical human being but he's the Son, and then you have the Holy Spirit, which is another spirit. And see, that's where I have the issue. It's like, well, why does God need two spirits? For here's one question: Why does God need two spirits? You know what I mean? And then he has a physical body. Okay, he's God. Mm-hmm. Here's the and and the second the second thing I had is God is 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 the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Fine, and Jesus is the same as the Father. He's God. He's also the Son. Do you mean to tell me that Jesus or or God, God and Mary, uh had you know uh, the spirit of God impregnated Mary, just to have Himself again, you know what I'm saying? See, when you, it, it, it's confusing. And God is not the author of confusion. This is why I have a problem with this theology, right.
6: if you would. Right, okay. right, right. Yes, you got, yeah, that's true. Yeah, God is not the author of confusion.
5: Um, however, our sometimes our our, and our
6: human, yeah, it's like yeah, the, theology is definitely a a human uh, discipline. And so we we do the best we can.
0: Well, um, but, well, God always <laughs> sends humans to represent Himself, and therefore it's like God gives us. as The Bible, I believe, says God gave us a clear interpretation of the word. And if He gave us a clear interpretation of the word, there should be no confusing things to it, except that we are the ones confusing it. Do you see what I'm right. saying? Right. Well, God, He God, put it in humanity has
6: fallen. Right. I think you're confusing. You're you're assuming that human beings are perfect and that our minds are perfect. Yeah. No, right. I'm God not, is I'm not the author confusion. Right, well, we we think that right. right. I'll,
3: hmm? I'll, hold on, hold on a sec. Let's let Joel uh you, you asked a couple of questions there, Rico. Give Joel a chance to respond and then whatever you don't agree with, you can you can uh kind of respond back, but, but let him finish, let him at least respond. Go, ahead, Joel.
6: Sure. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to think here um uh, trying to break down what you were uh asking. I think that your your confusion lies in why uh okay. God God is spirit, yet there's also a Holy Spirit, and there is Jesus, and he is physical, and why did God need to impregnate Mary to have himself? I just wanted to make sure I got that clear.
0: No, no, no. It it was a two-part question. It was like, well, you have God the Spirit, and then you have the Holy Spirit. Well, God's Spirit is holy, so why do you need two spirits for one? That's the first question. Okay, and then the second one was about Jesus. Go ahead. Okay. All right. All right. Um, uh, yeah. Right. Deal with the first um, question first. Okay. The first
6: question. Yes. God. God is spirit, uh, but we don't want to um, confuse God the Father with God the Spirit. Um, God in eternity, in in the heavenlies, is uh, non physical. is is a spirit being. Um and is the um Father, the Word and the Spirit, okay, from, from all eternity. And uh okay. Um so there's not two spirits. Um uh, there within are that- three right, there are three persons within the Trinity, but there the God as remember God as a nature is is spiritual, they're not immaterial, okay? Uh and the persons as the uh scriptures Uh, lay out the different uh persons okay there's the there's the role of the father okay the role of the word who becomes the son and the role of the spirit or, or in greek actually paraclete which is a comforter or helper um which is um present of course um even in Genesis one, with the Spirit of God hovering over the surface of the waters. Same, you know, God's Spirit is sent in Acts uh, chapter two, um at the birth of the church at Pentecost. Okay. That's so that's as a person that's that's um a specific role. Okay. But as well, God exists, it's all spiritual.
0: Oh okay, but see that see, God doesn't do anything that doesn't make any sense. Everything God does is for a reason. It doesn't make right. sense for God to have a spirit. He, he He Himself is holy. He's pure. We don't. None, none of us debate well, that. What is, what is, and then Rico, come, let me ask
3: uh-huh. Rico. Let, Rico, let me ask you because you say it, it's, it's it's not logic. It doesn't make sense. What laws of logic are being broken?
0: Well, okay. Well, the logic of it is well, seeing how and I, seeing how God doesn't do anything that doesn't like everything is created for a reason and has a, and therefore has a purpose. Otherwise, God doesn't create it. Okay. Well, the logic of it is God. God being the Spirit Himself, He's defined as the Spirit, right? And then at the same time, there's something. There's another Spirit outside. It's like it is Him, but it's not Him. This just a piece. Of, if it's if it's a Holy Spirit, then it's still God's Spirit because God's Spirit is Holy. You see what I'm saying? And that's the logic. Oh, right. It doesn't yeah, make. Yeah. Sense. The, the, the doctrine of the Trinity
3: is that they all share the same essence, the same nature. Because there can't be more than two spirits In that sense because You know when we say spirit We're talking about something Mm -hmm. that's immaterial It's not it can't be divided It's not made apart So it's not like there's one spirit here One spirit over there God is immaterial So it really wouldn't even make Mm -hmm. sense to say uh, You know God is two spirits
0: Yeah and the thing is The thing is you can't even Know it's, it's like and I reject The notion that there's things that we just don't understand. No, because we we obviously can be perfect. Jesus says, "Be ye perfect, even as your Father in heaven is also perfect." Jesus wouldn't again, if Jesus is God, and he and I do believe he's a follower of God, that he wouldn't allow or instruct us do to do something that we cannot do. Believe he is. Well, I don't. Me do you believe he is, you believe he no, is I don't, God? Me personally, I don't believe that Jesus was God because Jesus never said that he was God. When he said he and the, I, I believe that's our misinterpretation because when he said we, me and the Father are one, I, I believe he meant and in, in, in one is in spirit and mind. I don't believe he was saying that he was God. I don't – that's just my personal view. I'm not knocking any that do believe he's God, but that's just my personal view. I think – and that's what I was saying in the beginning. I think it's our understanding of what was said because we all have different interpretations, you know, of, about what was yeah, revealed well, and what was said.
3: That's, that's right. We do have different interpretations, but they can't all be true.
0: Everybody can have well, their own opinions. There's but not more their than own one fact. truth, though. Well, see, I'm, and well, that's, that's the thing. I believe that there's more than one truth. I mean, there's different ways to look at it. You don't believe there's any yeah. such thing as
3: absolute well, truth?
0: Well, for instance, the sun is in the sky. That's an absolute truth. Me and you are talking on the phone. That's another absolute truth. There's more than one absolute truth. Oh, Everything sure. that we yeah, see I mean, is. True. Yeah. So. Right. So now, but either, in, either in,
3: Jesus, in that Jesus, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But either Jesus is God or Jesus is not God. Both of those cannot I believe be that,
0: true. I, okay. Well, look at this understanding of it. For instance, I believe that Jesus was a human being just like us, and he walked on the earth. He did everything exactly as God wanted. And when you be, when you do everything exactly as God instructs and as God wills, you become one. Your spirit. Comes in line with his spirit, or he gives you a portion of his spirit, and therefore you and him are one, but you are not one at the same time, but you are one in like minded and like spirit, doing good deeds brings you closer to God, doing bad things takes you away from god so that's in a in a in a way you can understand it it's that's how Jesus can be one with god that's why that's why he can instruct us to be perfect, even if God is perfect. We obviously have the potential to do it it's just that we fall short because we have life. But that doesn't mean that well, we can't
3: uh, obtain it just like you did. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. yeah, we've gone over a little bit. But I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to let Joel uh, respond to you there, Rico, and then we actually we got another caller, uh, so we'll move on. No but problem. you know, I, I appreciate you listening. You're always always welcome. For sure. Yeah.
0: So, no, no problem. I'll just listen. I'll, I'll just
3: listen. <laughs> yeah, Joel, go ahead and uh, and you go ahead. Uh, response to that and then we'll go
6: ahead and uh, I've got another call that we'll go to. Okay. Um I guess the verse you keep going back to is that be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect and I um my my question back to you is is how is how was that done? How are you made perfect?
0: Doing uh, you're made perfect by ahead. Oh, okay, no problem. You're made perfect by obeying God. There's a okay. there's a process too. For instance, like just obeying them, doing doing unto your brother, doing every following exactly as doing exactly as Jesus did. Okay. That'll make okay. you perfect.
6: Okay. 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 So uh, where where do we find that? Uh, how do we know what what's you know? So following Christ, we just have to follow follow Christ and
0: and that that's perfection. Is that possible? He wouldn't have us do it if, if it wasn't possible. That was the whole purpose of Jesus being here is to show us a way, or any prophet was to show us the way to God. They wouldn't have prophets coming representing God and the ways of God if we couldn't obtain to be like God. Okay.
6: Um, And is there a standard of perfection that we need to look at?
0: Jesus. To be perfect. Jesus' Jesus, standard of
6: perfection. Okay, and and, – G- and, and and uh Jesus is the fulfillment of what?
0: Well, Jesus is God's grace to us, if you will. He's a fulfillment of prophets, if you will. Um He's he's a perfect example from God of how to be, how to attain to be like God. That's why Jesus said to follow him, do as he's doing. That was the whole purpose of him. He wouldn't have us okay. do anything that we couldn't do. Yeah.
6: Okay, um, so Jesus
0: fulfilled the law is what you're saying. Well, he, he, he did everything according to the law of Moses, and he showed you um, – he he freed us from the law at the same time. For instance, you, you give a law to people who are unrighteous. Well, when mm-hmm. you start following God in a, in another way, in a, it was like he came and, and showed an unorth, unorthodox way of how to follow God. You can follow God without obeying the law of Moses The law of Moses was only for a set period of time Because at our certain stage in development We needed the law of Moses But after having the law of Moses Then here comes the next evolutionary step To be towards like or to become like God Hence Jesus
6: Okay Okay, Joel I'm going to
0: let Joel
3: I'm going to let you Go ahead and respond finish up on that And then we got another caller I want to go ahead and get to So he's not having to wait forever Go ahead and finish up your thoughts on on this call
6: Okay, well, uh, all right, so yes, Jesus is uh, the fulfillment of the law, and you're right. The law was given uh, for a certain time, but yet Jesus also says uh, that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So that would imply that the law still has some kind of significance for today. And if we look at the law, and we look at the law of Moses, just even the Ten Commandments, if you look at it and use it to examine yourself, you shall not lie. Have you ever told a lie? Have you Please, ever I, coveted? I, I, yeah. Have you? You have. So what does that make you?
3: Yeah, he's he's actually on hold right now, Joel. Oh, okay. Just, oh, uh, I thought you
6: were talking. I I talking. Okay, so yeah, if you if you a, 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 right, a, so uh, if you examine yourself with the law, you see that uh, you know, if you look at the you know a, a lie telling a lie, it makes you a liar. If you were uh, covetousness, if you if you if you covet something, you want something that doesn't belong to you. That. That's breaking the law. If you if you've done that, you can't wake up. You can't make it to the day without breaking some point of the law. And the, the Bible tells us if we break one point of the law, it's like breaking all of them. Okay, all the points. Not not to not right. to mention the ones. Um, uh, the all the six almost 613 laws of are in in in, in uh, the law of Moses. So yeah, we can't be I mean, perfect. People,
3: you, you can. Yeah, we can strive for it, uh, but it's not going to happen. And one of the things right, I just principles. wanted to say uh, with, with, with regards to Rico, he's saying that uh, the reason the prophets came was to show us how to be God, and uh, and that's not accurate. The, re- the the reason the prophets came and the reason Christ came is so that man could be saved for God, to God, not to become God, but that man himself could, could you know spend forever in eternity uh, with God, uh, assuming you have... You know, repentant of your of your sin and put your faith and trust in Christ alone. But it's not to become God; it's 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 to be with God.
6: Right? It's uh, it, it's to be with Him, and the only way that can be done. And there, He's got part of it right. You have to be perfect. The question I wanted to really get him on, you know, press him on, is how is that possible? Because we can't. We, he's right. Perfection comes. If you can follow the law exactly, yes, you're perfect and Jesus is the only person who's ever done that. But what about yeah, the rest of us? Yeah, and he's not born shows? with a
3: sin nature as well, which is right, why
6: which is why the virgin birth is important. He does not hold that that sin nature that we get from Adam. So, we're born we're born to die literally, okay? And then of course yeah. Jesus came to die for us, the only one that didn't deserve to die for breaking the law the wages of sin is death the punishment for breaking the law on any point is death yet jesus didn't break any of the law willingly took death um upon himself he took the sins of the world upon himself on the cross and by doing that and resurrecting from the dead defeating death by dying rising from the grave for those that believe that in it's called imputed righteousness. Okay, he imputes his righteousness onto us. So when we stand before Jehovah God, okay, he's not looking at us and our works because our works are as filthy rags. No one is righteous, no, not one. Only one is Christ. Yet his death and resurrection covers us, washes us completely clean. Um, the blood of Christ washes away our sins. Uh, and, right. and God sees them, remembers them no more. Okay. Right. In fact, He and that's, tosses our yeah, into the sea. And the in Revelation, difference. there is no more sea.
3: Right. Yeah, that's the whole difference between Christianity and every other religion. Is every other religion is a workspace system? Christianity is is Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. So, with that being said, are you ready to go to the next caller? He's been on hold oh. for about 16 minutes.
6: Okay. So are right, we sure? And,
3: and go to him. All right, caller, are you there? Can I get your name and and where you're calling from? Hello? Yes. How are you? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. Good, good. Who is this and where are you calling from? I grew up in Seaside, Oregon. I'm 58 years
0: old. I'm an adult film star.
3: (laughs) Okay. All right. Well uh, I think we'll let that one I think we'll let that one go. Uh, sometimes you get a crank call once in a while and I'm thinking that's what it was. At least I'm hoping so. But uh, let's look at let's keep going with some of those topics uh we were looking at. With the with the doctrine of the Trinity, Joel, let me throw a couple of objections at you um to to see kind of how you were how you would respond to this. We've seen uh, a few of the ones that come with uh, that, that Rico gave, uh, as far as uh, how can it be, you know, one God when it seems to be, uh, you know, three spirits. Uh, what's what's some of the other ob- objections? I know uh, when the when the Jehovah's Witnesses show up at the door, uh, there's always the typical uh, kind of Bible verses that they take you to because they're they're adamant uh, that Jesus is is not God. Maybe it might just be better to start there. It's kind of tell us, who, um, tell us who Jesus is according to the the Watchtower or the Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay,
6: sure. Um, okay, Jesus, they would say, is the Son of God. However, they would say he's um, the Son of God who in heaven is Michael the Archangel. Okay, and then on earth he becomes Jesus – but yet he is not the Christ until his baptism. So Jesus in heaven is a spirit creature who existed as, the, the, as Michael the Archangel, who was the first born of all creation, the first created being of, of Jehovah. Okay, who came to earth as the virgin born son of Mary, who was a sinless man. But he was not divine. He was only a man, but he was a perfect man. And at his baptism is when he became the Christ. Okay. Um, he lived a perfect life and did good things. He taught and uh walked around with his uh disciples and then was crucified but well they i'm not you know i'm I'm not sure if I've ever heard them use that term. They say that he was um uh that he died on a torture stake actually uh they right. uh find the cross to be uh deplorable uh the cross is a symbol of a of a paganism or apostate christendom as they would would say so that's a that's kind of a hanging point and i would uh, recommend that anyone talking with them um, not to get hung up on that you could you could grant them that um however uh we know that uh the romans used the you know the cross as the instrument of death in fact And even in English, we call a telephone pole a pole, but it's in the shape of a cross. So it's just how – yeah, they're right. The Greek can be translated as stake or cross. Neither one is is wrong. Um, But we know that also uh, if if Jesus had been uh, crucified on a stake – they probably would have used one nail on the two hands, and there's usually a picture that they use of him crossing the hands. But the Bible says that nails were used in his hands, and that his hands were stretched out. Okay, so uh, I think that that defeats their their real, sticking point. Real, yeah, real mm-hmm. real quick
3: with that. Well, we should probably, I should have made that comment earlier, but um, you know when it when it comes to when the Jehovah's Witness does up at the door you got to pick your battles wise, right? You don't – because they're going to want to get into things like, uh, you know, birthdays, uh, celebrating Christmas, um, blood transfusion. Right. A lot of these things that – you know, you don't spend your time going on things that are trivial and in the big scheme don't matter.
0: Right. Like, you like the raven
3: doctrine of the Trinity, you know, the deity of Christ. Those, you know, those things that – um kind of the essentials of the Christian faith because you know there may be Christians today that don't celebrate their birthday or something like
6: that but
3: kind of stick to the, right. main, the main issues wouldn't you agree with that?
6: Exactly in, in fact I know of uh, of an elderly lady who was visited and she only had one question for them every time they presented something and it was this what does that have to do with my salvation and they just couldn't answer they just had no idea what to, and they bring up another point and she would say, "Well, what does that have to do with my salvation?" And they just they just ended up leaving because they couldn't tell her what it, you know none of, none of their um, of their doctrines that that differentiate them like that that celebrating birthdays, uh, blood transfusions, um, and or even Jesus being you know, dying on a on a stake rather than a car it has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with anything. Uh, those are all easy easily answerable. Uh, but they're not the main thing. The main thing is to focus on the person of Christ. So who who is Christ? You know, is right. is Jesus Jehovah. And that's um that's what's important. Um and he, and, he, and he is Uh oh, I'll wrap up this uh just about the doctrine of Christ and I think it would be good to talk about uh the the Father before we uh, and and uh as well um just to finish this off, the body after uh uh, he was not resurrected. That's one um, thing that the Jehovah's Witnesses do not hold to. However, uh, he appeared again, but the original body was dissolved into gases. Is the general uh, explanation in the tomb, and so that explain that's their explanation for the empty tomb. And then over the next uh, period of time, the next forty days, Christ appeared twelve times to the disciples, and they say that Jehovah God. Recreated uh, a body For him So they don't believe in resurrection They believe in recreation And uh, that's also their explanation For why the disciples didn't recognize him Because he was in a new body Um, However after that period Then Jesus returns to the heavenlies As the archangel Michael Now uh, and he's ruling invisibly from heaven There's also a a teaching That the the original body could be uh, Preserved somewhere in the universe as As a monument to God's love Okay um but that's that's again one of those side things um right. the, the the deal with um Jesus ruling from the heavenlies invisibly is that at any time he could execute judgment and only the Jehovah's witnesses in good standing with the watchtower organization or they also call it jehovah's organization will be will be spared, and that's um why they go and knock on doors and distribute literature and go to meetings. Uh, And they have monthly, you know, quotas. They have to meet hourly quotas for that to be in good standing with the organization. And the Jesus Michael figure actually rules invisibly from heaven. uh, From then on, with only 144,000, which they call the Anointed Class, uh, of Jehovah's Witnesses ruling with him uh, from heaven, and everyone else is on the new perfect restored paradise Earth. Okay, so it's a two-class system and uh, we can we can look at the 144,000 uh in depth later but we may not have time i might just mention that briefly The 144,000 comes from revelation and in context they're uh you they're they're jews they're national israeli jews they're it's israel okay um there's also a crowd with a great crowd with them if you continue reading um here's another point to remember if you if they bring up a verse Read the whole verse, or have them read the whole verse in context, or have the whole read the whole chapter. Don't let them pick seed pick verses because uh-huh. uh, you can make the Bible say anything you want if you do that um so context 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 text without context is pretext, okay uh, something to remember. Uh, so 144,000. Right. It's either it's either literal or it's figurative. It can't be both. Um, they, they'll if they want to make it figurative, uh, you know, make, hold that, hold that, hold that to them. If they want to make it literal, hold that, hold that to them, because it can't be both in that passage. Um, so that's, that's that. Now, um, God the Father uh is Jehovah and Jehovah and Jesus are two separate things uh two separate entities not just persons but but um uh two beings as well uh, now they're very strict on the use of the name Jehovah they're insistent that that is God's name uh, i had one come to my door and ask me if um you know if god had a name shouldn't we shouldn't we call him by his first name and i said no that's horrible and he said well, why do you say that? Well, he's he's my heavenly father, right? I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, I don't call my father by his first name. That's a sign of disrespect. And he just stood there with a blank look. I, you know, if you can kind of toss them a little bit and give them an answer that they don't expect, that they're not because they're prepared for. They're, they practice. To respond to certain things, and they have um, Watchtower answers for everything, and they practice this before they go out. So their questions are meant to guide you along their path, so they can have their pre-fabricated responses for you. So I, I like to, to I guess, just mess with them playfully, just to you know, I, you know, play dumb and ask them questions and see where they go. But
0: Jehovah, the, the name. Hmm?
3: No, yep. go, yeah, go ahead. Hit hit the name real quick. Uh then, name, yeah, Jehovah? Hit, it's uh, go
6: ahead. Uh-huh. Yeah, Jehovah. The name um, isn't really a biblical name, but again, there's nothing really wrong with the name. We we use that uh, all the time because it's it's just easy to say in English. Jehovah God, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nissan—all uh, these great names for God. Um, but it, it actually never, never appears anywhere in the Hebrew or the Greek. In fact, the, the name of Jehovah never, never appears in the New Testament text anywhere, but they they will put the name there in their New World translation. Uh in the Old Testament, there is a proper name for God and we uh, get it from Acts. I'm sorry. Exodus 3:14. uh where Moses asked God, you know, who what's your name? Whom shall I say sent me? And he says, "I am," which uh, we, we we get the, the name "I am" uh, comes from uh, the, the the what we call the the tetragrammaton. Uh, it's four letters in Hebrew: yod he vav he. Uh, sometimes it's pronounced Yahweh, sometimes Yeva. We really don't know the pronunciation. It's been lost because the Jews never pronounced it because they never wanted to risk blaspheming uh, God by saying His name. So what they did is take the vowels from Adonai, which means God or Lord. And you intersperse the vowels in the consonants Yod he Vav Hey, and you get Yahovah, or in English Jehovah. Okay, so that's where the name comes from. So it's really a made-up word. Um, it's, uh, it's sort of an anglicized way of pronouncing the divine name, uh, Lord. Sometimes it shows up in all capital letters in your in your Bible. So that's, that's that. Um, maybe. Let me – that's good stuff, Joel, good stuff. We got
3: about 15 minutes. Let me throw – let me see. Let me throw three or four objections at you uh, that are common with the Jehovah's Witnesses. And uh, I'll have you kind of respond to those. Because pretty much when they come to your door and you start talking about the deity of Christ, uh, you know where they're going to go. You know the the text that they're going to use. So let's start with that. Let's start with Colossians uh 1, 15 through 17 uh, that says Jesus Christ is the firstborn of all creation. If, if Jesus is God and God is eternal, then how in the world can it be that Jesus Christ is God when it clearly says that uh, he is Jehovah's uh, – the firstborn of, of Jehovah's creation? One other thing, too, real quick. In the New Testament, they actually use the term Jehovah consistently, don't they? I'm sorry? In the New World Translation.
6: Oh, in the New World that's, Translation, absolutely. Yes, that that is the only name for God that you'll see, right. Yes, it is. Yeah, that, that is. That, yeah, that's, I think it appears over 200 book. times in the New Testament alone, but the word Jehovah never appears anywhere in the Greek. It's not even a Greek word. It's not even a right. Hebrew word. Right, <laughs> right. I mean, Jesus uh, never would have heard that uh, yeah. word, you know. Yeah, well, or what Yeshua they, it, would have it, never heard that word.
3: <laughs> it's ingenious because what they've done is associated when when anybody says Jehovah, it's automatically the Father with the Jehovah's Witnesses. So exactly. it, it's kind of ingenious how they've they've done that. They can't even see through it. They just immediately right. Uh, the, you know. so okay. The so lens Colossus of the watchtower is
6: so strong. Mm-hmm.
3: It is. It is. Yeah, um, Colossians one fifteen through seventeen. No, it, it clearly says, according to the Jehovah's Witnesses, that Jesus Christ is the first creation of God. So how can He be God?
6: Okay. Well, the the um, the word here, uh, I think it's used in Colossians one sixteen, uh, firstborn of all creation and preeminent yeah. over all creation. Okay. Yes, that actually doesn't not refer to uh, being uh born as uh we would think of a birth a live birth uh, creation being from uh a new life it's uh it's idiomatic for being first in rank okay he is he is preeminent over all creation he is the um the leader over all the um, the the ruling um prince if you will over all that is created uh, in fact, he is not a part of creation, other than the fact that he does have a, a physical body. The, he and he added God added humanity to His deity, and this isn't God changing from God into man, and this isn't right. you know God being half man and half God. Okay, this is right. you know we, we call it the hypostatic union, and it's you know God in all of the fullness of his divinity adds humanity to the second person of the Trinity and in that sense is able to be fully God and fully man. In fact uh, he, he the scriptures say he empties himself. And he lays down his uh, divine uh, fullness in a sense in order to live fully as a man so he can be our redeemer. He's our mediator. Fully God fully man and can therefore stand in the place, the gap between a holy, righteous God, and sinful, fallen man. So yes, um, but in Colossians, in the verse in the Colossians, there is also connected with Isaiah forty four twenty four. Uh, Christ wasn't created; he existed from all eternity. He is the eternal Word. Okay, and we should we should actually spend a little bit of time talking about John one one in the New World Translation. But he is the Creator. He's not a part of creation as. Uh, as a limited being in his humanity, he is limited he gets tired he, he needs to eat he needs to, you know he sleeps okay, but as God he's fully God, so he's always been he always was and always will be
3: well, it is the creator, according to to Colossians, and maybe talk a little how the the new the new world translation adds what four four extra words. <laughs> In that verse, right? They use the word "other" about four times in there. Let's see here. Look
6: at the closet. I have the New World Translation in front of me here. Um,
3: Yeah, it actually, uh, if my memory serves correct, when I was working a few years ago at a a certain place doing security, um, the Lord had blessed me to be able to work with a guy who was a, a really nice man. Uh, and he was a Jehovah's Witness for, like, 30 years. I mean, he was, mm. he was a great guy, and I, I loved working with him. And, man, from from the time I got to work to the time I left, about six months, we would just debate, 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 debate. And that's, I'll tell you, I really cut my teeth on the Trinity. <laughs> so right,
6: you really have uh, to know your uh, stuff.
3: Really yeah, they know their stuff. And, you know, he was a, he was a general, he was a good guy. Uh, but obviously, you know, wrong about this issue. But um, isn't it in Colossians is it one fifteen or sixteen where they add the word other four times?
6: They do. They do. They have the word other, other, other. In, in the uh, okay, now here we go. Okay, starting in verse fifteen of Colossians one, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Because by means of him all other things were created in the heavens and upon the earth, and the things visible and the things invisible, no matter whether they are thrones or lordships or governments or authorities, all other things have been created through him and for him. Also, he is before all other things, and by means of him all other. Now, here's what's interesting about this. I'm actually reading this from the interlinear, and I'm looking over in the Greek, and it doesn't have the word other added in, the interlinear part.
3: Well, if 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 you look at the at the front of the Bible too, it'll tell you in the New World Translation that anything in italics, um, it was not is not there in the text. Exactly. And, and I remember
6: and,
3: I remember showing this to my friend and I remember him saying, Look, that word other I remember telling him, that word other is not there. And he says, Well it's gotta be because if 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 you just read it without the word other, then that would mean Jesus is God.
0: <laughs> exactly. In fact,
6: sticking with Colossians so there's another Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, in 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 Colossians 2:9. Now, I I learned this um uh from from talking on on a doorstep. Uh, Colossians 2, nine. of course, you know, in 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 Christ, okay, and in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily or the Trinity bodily or 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 God, okay? Uh the Greek word there is theototos, which is a very strong word. It's a hapax the gamina, which is a fancy way of saying it's the only time this word appears in, okay, the New Testament. And it's a strong word meaning the fullness of God's nature as divinity, okay? But yet they're, in in the Greek, they actually have it correct. Now, in their translation of it, uh, it says that uh, because in, in him, it's Jesus, that all the fullness of the divine quality dwells bodily. So they they just t- tweak it enough to to downplay the divinity of Christ in in you know as Jesus being God, and they do that all throughout the New Testament. In fact, the killer, yeah, um, of course, <laughs> and, and John one one.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I'll let you talk on that for a second too before we we close. Let me let me say this just in general: the Jehovah's Witnesses are nice. Are nice people and um, very
6: nice. You know, I, don't,
3: I don't. I really. I don't believe they themselves are are deceptive. But I. I tell you what. I do believe those higher ups in the Watchtower. You know, as, as far as with the Greek and the interlinear, and you, you mm-hmm. can see they are purposely manipulating the text in the New World. Absolutely. University. I believe they are very deceitful.
6: Right can now, now remember.
3: I think they you know, they they're just doing what they've been taught.
6: They're just doing what they've been taught. Yeah. I remember we at the during the history Judge Rutherford was the last main figure. After him you have what's called the governing body. And they rule to this day. It's an it's a, it's an uh it's an oligarchy, really. It's a it's a a panel of people that uh decide all the doctrine, they they print everything, they do it without names. If you look at a watchtower or the the translation of the Bible here, they're not gonna put any names. It just says the publisher or nothing at all. Uh, but I know from just doing research that the people that were behind the translation had really no knowledge of Greek or Hebrew at all. In fact, the only outside source they use is uh, a, a Roman Catholic source, which they rail against in their uh, Watchtower magazines. They just absolutely rail against other, other uh, churches and faiths. They are they are the only true channel to God, the organization, that is, so. So in doing so, they they really kill uh, John one one. This is important to know. Hmm?
3: Yeah, Joel, take take three minutes to wrap up uh, John one
6: Yeah, this 1-1-4. will be quick. Yeah, John one Yeah, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now that's that's the uh, normal translation. Uh, that's that's very accurate from the Greek. Um, and what they have is in the beginning. Uh, the word was, and the word was with God, and the word was a God, and that a God is a little g. Now that's very interesting because I'm looking over here in the Greek, and you know what they get it right here. Um, in fact, it even has a cap. Uh, well, see, it, it, a capital G for theon and a lowercase g for theos. Okay, and, and it's the same. It's the same meaning. Okay, God. Uh, there's no difference. There's no. There's nothing that says one is Jesus and one is Jehovah. Okay, but that's what they'll say. That one is mighty, one is the Almighty. And uh, but if they do that, and this is something you can really press them on. Um, so I thought you were a monotheist. Say yes, we are. Well, okay, well then why do you have two gods here? You have a, one God here. The word is with God, and you have a, the word was a God. So you have a lowercase g that's a God and a big G God. So you have two gods, and they'll just spin because they're so bent on one God and He's Jehovah. But yet they have two gods in their own scripture. In, in order to get around the divinity of Christ, because we see that the God, the, the Word who was God became flesh, okay, which is Jesus, in the incarnation. But that's so it's a real problem for them. But it's good right. to know that at least change that. Um, yes, and here's another uh, scripture you can you can um, show them. Uh, that's very simple to remember. In fact, remember they li they love prophecies. So you can say, "Do you like prophecies?" Yes, of course. Well, so so do I. I wanted you can. Answer this is, This for me Okay um, And you can have him turn to uh, uh, In fact I'll just turn to Isaiah um, Isaiah Chapter 40 verse 3 you can Turn there uh-huh. Isaiah, Yeah Isaiah 43 And we'll read And you have them read Um a voice cries in the wilderness Prepare the way of the Lord Make straight in the desert A highway for our God And and you can say Okay now, now I believe that The New Testament uh, Has a verse uh, Related to that You can have him turn to Matthew Matthew's a book that's Heavy in Prophecy fulfillment from the Old Testament And you can say well, Let's look at Matthew 3.3 3. Okay In Matthew 3.3 3, Actually we can begin in Verse 1, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And then just simply ask them, who did John the Baptist prepare the way for? Right. And it's very obvious in the rest of this passage, is Jesus. So unless Jesus is Jehovah, there's a contradiction. And that's – at one point, they actually left my left my porch and said, we have an appointment. Sorry. Um, I'll have to look at this and come back. <laughs> <laughs>
3: All right. Well, Joel, we actually – we are out of time, my friend. Uh, we need to have you back on. I mean, we uh, – uh, it was a good conversation. Sure, tip, tip of the iceberg. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll set something up. Rico, thanks for calling. And, uh, yeah, we'll set something up and, and do something a little more – Structure. We're kind of all over the the place with the calls, but uh, that, was good. that was a good conversation, and I think we tackled some good things. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, if your job is witnessed, and you know you're you're curious, you have questions, you're hearing the show, uh, get get all of us on Facebook. Theology Matters with the Paloos at Facebook uh, on Facebook. Theology Matters with the Paloos. Send us a message. We'd love to meet all of you So Joel, appreciate you coming on the show My friend, and we'll have you back on soon
6: Excellent uh, Great conversation uh, Great topic to talk about And uh, uh, All the best God bless uh, Alright man, appreciate it God bless
3: all right, and next week we were uh we're actually going to have our good friend Brendan Helms back on, and we're going to be looking at Bart Ehrman and his continuous assault uh on the New Testament. And we're going to look at how to how to deal with that and some of the objections that he raises and how to answer that. So, until then, you guys have a good week and God bless.
1: Yeah. Mike, check, Mike, check one. Two. One two one two for you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, word up. It's that biblical, biblical, theology, theology, study, the person of God, attributes. Yeah. God's word is like a breeze in the tropics. And Jesus got the keys to the cockpit. He's the king, the priest, and the prophet. So please watch as we proceed with the topic. Uh, yeah. And that's biblical theology. That phrase alone, they give some people allergies. Uh They say it's not practical enough. Uh Just give me Jesus, that will be enough. That seems plausible and logical. Nobody wants to be all cold and theological. But being a theologian's not optional. Cause when you talk about Christ, you're saying something doctrinal. Either it accurately portrays his majesty, or it's a travesty, or worse, blasphemy. You can do a global search. This mark is crucial to the health of a local church. The Christian life is a difficult odyssey. The faithful are a statistical anomaly. The enemy wants to trick us hypnotically. That's why we need that biblical theology. Lord God, deliver us from apostasy. The human heart is given to idolatry. The situation is critical, we gotta see importance of biblical theology. What do I mean by biblical theology? The whole theme of the scripture and God's the key is following the Bible's storyline and the ultimate goal is seeing God's glory shine. What he starts? He finishes with dedication, a work of art from Genesis to Revelation from God's creation to man's fall, to redemption, to consummation. His designs and structure each time will fluster. What mind can instruct the divine conductor? His worthiness sits enthroned In the heavens, sturdy and fixed. Romans 11:36. Biblical theology and confidence.